make out. I always knock over strawberries this time of night. So if anyone's got a tiara and a horse, hit me up. Hello and welcome to Pass the Hot Sauce, a Roswell podcast. I'm Aliza Ora. I'm Lisa Abigail. And I'm Lorena Rose. We're here to talk about every episode of the 1999 WB series Roswell, one episode at a time and spoiler free. Today we're discussing season one, episode 16, Sexual Healing. According to IMDb, this is the one where fleeting images that Liz sees whenever she kisses Max lead the couple to a radio tower where they discover an otherworldly metallic orb. Ooh. I just thought it was a glowy stone, but all right. This episode was written by Jan Oxenberg. It's her only episode of Roswell, and when I was looking into her, I found out that she is noted for her work in lesbian feminist films. Oh. And she wrote for the television show Relativity, which was created by Jason Katims, who also created this show, and... Relativity featured the first kiss between two lesbian and or bisexual women on American television. Wow. In the year 1997. Wow. That's exciting. I thought Tara and Willow on Buffy was the first kiss. They might have been the first teen kiss Mm, between two ladies. Oh, like network TV. Like, I don't know what channel that was. This was network. It was? Oh, wow. I think, yeah, I think they were the first, the first teen uh, queer love okay. storyline between two Got it. girls or women. Which um, is but huge Relativity also. also featured Mary Ellen Trainer, who plays Diane Evans. Oh. Yeah. And Jan Oxenberg, the writer, also wrote on Once and Again, which also had a pioneering queer storyline between characters played by Evan Rachel Wood and Misha Barton. Wow. Oh. I know. I, know I know those people. Right? So I. I'm like so disappointed at all the hetero nonsense in this episode. Jan Oxenberg, why did you not write us a Maribel storyline? We all wanted it. Uh, and by we all, I mean like the three of us, but still. And maybe some of our listeners, hopefully. Should we maybe play the jingle? Of course. We While should. we're talking yes. about that beautiful yeah. pairing. It started with fear. How did we end up here? to say to Jan Oxenberg during this because she made her reputation as a feminist lesbian writer and I have some words but first let's get through <laughs> the credits this episode was directed by David Semmel and it's the last of three Roswell episodes that he directed it originally aired on the 1st of March 2000 cool so we start on the image of a knocked over radio tower that's emitting a series of beeps And there's text on the screen informing us that this is February 2000 in Lincoln County, New Mexico, two miles from the crash site. So if you listen to our mini-sodes on the Roswell incident, you would know that this is the site of the Foster Ranch, which is located near the town of Corona, which is in Lincoln County, and it is about 75 miles northwest of Roswell. 
just kind of far. Mm-hmm. Um, I was excited to tell you guys that in February 2000, I turned 11. Nice. And then we go to the locker room where Liz is showering for some unknown reason. They're showing us a teenage girl in the shower again. Mm-hmm. But then we get the voiceover, which I'm sure Lisa is so happy about and missed a lot. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But they did let us know, Eliza, that this episode takes place on your birthday. Uh, so that was the next thing I was going to say is like the voiceover. And then she says it's February 20th, which is my birthday. So not only did it mention my birth month, it mentioned my actual birthday. And during the course of this episode, it was also my birthday. Like they didn't say it, but judging from the number of nights that have passed, Eliza, your birthday and my birthday were both celebrated by all of the Roswell characters off screen. Hell yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And funnily enough, it is currently February and our birthdays are both coming up very soon. Yes, they are. So yeah, we're in the locker room in the communal shower. Yeah. Did y'all have communal showers? We did. I never used them. We had did, we had ones where there were curtains. I never saw a single person ever use the shower at yeah. the locker room at school. Same. Not once. We had a same, pool same. in our high school. So like certain gym classes, there was like a unit where you used the pool and then like people would rinse off in the shower. But there were curtains. They were separate showers. We did not have a pool at our high school. The swim team had to use the local like city pool that was down the block. Yeah. I do not remember if my high school had a pool, but if it did, I would have certainly <laughs> avoided it. <laughs> and then while Liz is in the locker room, Max shows up in there in the ladies' locker room. This must be a dream. And oh, yes. it is. <laughs> so this is the second time we've seen Liz fantasize about Max watching her without her knowing that he's there. Uh, the other time was in Blind Date when he was in her imagination out on the balcony while she was getting changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? Is this like a kink of hers? Like, I don't... It seems a little exploitative. And I also feel like it and other things that happen in this episode further the notion about, like, women fantasizing about men just like sneaking up on them and surprisingly being like "Ooh, look it's sexy now because i'm here surprise consent isn't a thing who cares i'm seeing you naked which no no one wants that no one wants that stop it (laughs) like i totally agree that that is not a cool thing but i would argue that in the cases of her imagining him there that it is i feel like the the conversation about consent is a little different when it's like her creating him being there in her mind mm-hmm. that like maybe yeah. she's thinking about him because she like wants him to be there which would imply consent which implied consent is a complicated uh concept but Yeah, I think the thing I don't like about it is this idea then that, like, we tell men, this is what women want. This is what women are fantasizing about. So, like, it's cool to spy on women because secretly Mm -hmm. they want you to be looking at them. Yeah. So, hey, Jan Oxenberg, noted feminist, what are you doing? Nobody secretly wants things. Yeah, believe women when they tell you stuff. Also, um, we later find out that Max sees and hears, presumably, this vision. Do we think he hears her voiceover? Is this part of the (laughs) fantasy? Her science voiceover, because she's talking about chemistry or chemicals. And she's talking about chemical reactions. Yeah, she's like having grown up feelings. But there's a lead into this, which I think is supposed to like make it seem more established like it's in reality, which is like other women 
taking off their clothes and changing in the locker room. Was that part of Liz's fantasy? Like, was she thinking about other girls getting topless? And did Max see that? Because that's not cool. But is Liz having gay thoughts? Is that part of what she's trying to figure out about herself? I'm going to say with zero textual evidence, absolutely it is. Yes. It's (laughs) now canon. Yeah, I don't think we have any proof otherwise. That's true. Liz is just hanging out in her fantasy, thinking about other women taking off her their clothes, and then she's like, oh, Max, Max, yes, I like Max. Max is the what? He's the, the, the boy person with the man part. I like him. <laughs> <laughs> and then we realize, of course, that it is a dream, and she cuts to the crash down. And um, so in this episode on the DVDs, there is commentary by Shiri Appleby and Mahandra Delfino. So I'm going to have some fun commentary, um, facts and uh, stories to share with you throughout. Um, The first of which is that Shiri wrote nice strawberries across her chest under her costume on this to flash Jason Bear and make him laugh. He did not think it was funny. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's <laughs> an interesting prank. That's yeah. fun. I was wondering why on earth there would be a giant bowl of whole, unhulled, uncut strawberries front of house in a restaurant. Yes. What yeah. is the purpose for them? Mm. I mean, I wonder if they're like a garnish. With the leaves on? A whole strawberry with the leaves on? Like, what are you garnishing with that? Yeah. No, it's it's a lazy garnish for sure. And there's so many of them. Yeah. No, I'm just trying to find excuses. <laughs> no, I think it was, I think they just wanted the line, hey, Liz, nice strawberries. For some reason. I also really loved the line, oh, I, I always knock over strawberries this time of night. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Seems plausible. Yeah. Absolutely. It's just, oh, it's that time of night, you know? Oh, 9.04 p.m. Ba-dum, let me knock over some strawberries. Also, Maria eats a strawberry off the floor, which is gross. Ooh. She, like, picks one up off the floor and pops it in her mouth while they're picking them up. Well, Liz no. takes all of the strawberries off the floor, puts them in the bowl, dumps them into the trash back of house, and then starts filling that same bowl that the floor strawberries yep. have just been in with mm-hmm. fresh new strawberries. Yep. Oh, no. And They're then she makes great. out with Max on a food prep counter. So, I mean, we're not doing great. If the health department comes by, they're screwed. No, that's what I wrote. Just, like, at least go in the back. There are other places that you can be um, that don't have food prepped. This is not sanitary. Yeah. yeah, she lives upstairs. Yeah. In this scene, we are absolutely robbed, I say, of hearing the original song, which was Marcy Playground's Sex and Candy. <gasps> oh, that would have been perfect. Oh. Mm-hmm. So instead we get... All Will Break by Last Days of April, which I don't think has the same impact. No. When they start making out, at first it starts with like this sound, almost like fireworks shooting off, like not bursting yet, but the like, (laughs) Uh, I don't know if anyone noticed that, which then turns into a full on visual hallucination. Yeah. So I want to take us back to a little bit before that, because I was so mad about this kiss. So Max follows Liz into the back of house area where he's like not really supposed to be. And like there are suddenly joking around. He's like, oh, I have orders for my planet to take over the Earth. Ha ha. And I'm like, remember six days ago, it was six days ago that the events of Blind Date happened. So six days ago, Max got drunk, crashed Liz's blind date, stood up on a stage and kissed her, then ran away from her, humiliated her in front of the entire town. It was broadcast on the radio. And now it's 
fine, even though they never really talked about it and he didn't really apologize. She's just like, oh, you were drunk, so it doesn't count. Yep. And then he's like, oh, okay, so we're friends. And she's like, yeah, we're friends. And he says, just friends. And she says, yeah. And he's like, oh, I will take that as an invitation to put my tongue in your mouth. Yep. Without saying anything about that I'm going to do that. Yeah, literally one second ago, you confirmed just friends. So... Consent. Yeah, I was not a fan of that. I guess all that practicing that Liz was doing in her head saying no to Max didn't come to anything because he just freaking grabbed her and did what he wanted. Yeah. And she's into it because women like it when you do that. No, they don't. No, they don't like it. We don't like it. Please don't grab me. No, you know what we like? I love, you know, it's a big turn on for me. Can Mm. I kiss you? What? (laughs) Is this okay? Mm hmm. Uh, You know, like, all just communication it's not hard mm-hmm. it's wait not. you mean someone treating you like you're a human who might have like a will of your own and the ability to decide what you want for yourself mm-hmm. a human who actually says what i mean and can answer questions wow revolutionary stuff yeah so shiri and mahandra in the commentary for this episode both talked about how uncomfortable they were with all these makeout scenes in this episode being at the young age they are which is in actuality both adults mahandra was 18 and shiri was 20 when they did this but they both talked about how uncomfortable they were having to do all these makeout scenes with the guys well, they were legally intense... adults. Yes, yes. You know, an 18-year-old, I would argue, is still yeah. a child. But yes, legally an adult. Um, but yeah, they talked about how how nerve-wracking it was doing these intense makeout scenes and making having to make all the orgasmic sounds throughout this episode and how embarrassed they were. Yeah, the sounds are a little much. Yeah. They're kissing, right? Oh, just kissing? So I was, y'all know I read those little books when I do this, and one of them had an observation that I thought was spot on, that Liz sounds like she's auditioning for an Herbal Essences commercial. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, accurate. (laughs) Yes, those commercials where they were purposely making it sound like orgasm sounds, but like over the top. And Liz is like, he touched my hand, orgasm noise. I'm like, what the? Yeah, detention. At school? In science class, which is arguably her favorite class. Yeah. I know. Like, she's supposed to be this perfect straight-A student, and look at her now. Uh, So then we go to the credits. We have our lovely Dido theme song. Um, And then we're at the crashdown, where Maria totally is calling Liz out, saying that she doesn't look normal. So, um, So Liz is telling Maria about what happened, and that it went beyond. So Maria kind of freaks out about that. Also, Liz's, the top of Liz's uniform is unbuttoned during the whole first part of this scene. Oh, yeah. Which was an accident, according to the commentary. So her (laughs) fixing it was just her being like, oh, shit, I'm unbuttoned. It worked pretty well for Mm -hmm. their purposes. Yeah. And Liz does explain to Maria they were not actually having sex because when she actually does it, it's not going to be in between a plate of kielbasa and a deep fryer. (laughs) <laughs> I'm very glad that we were not subjected to the sight of a plate of kielbasa. Yes. <laughs> so this is also where Liz first tells someone. She tells Maria that when they kissed, she saw stars. And uh, she means it quite literally. Like she was flying through this galaxy. And she asks uh, if Maria ever saw anything when she and Michael were making out. And Maria's like, hmm. File that one away for later. Yeah. <laughs> 
feel like our makeout sessions are not quite the same as your makeout sessions. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's time to revisit those and see what happens. Ooh, maybe. So we go to school the next day, and Maria is saying to Alex, if they actually do it, she'll probably explode. And Alex is saying, maybe she'll explode if they don't do it. <laughs> like a true cool. teenage boy. Yeah. Yep. Yes. <laughs> maybe 100%. you'll explode. <laughs> So Max has this exchange with Michael, where Max asked, did anything like that ever happen to Maria, which is the same thing Liz was asking, but Michael is like, no, Maxwell, let me assure you, you have not experienced anything I have not experienced many times or caused to be experienced. And I was like, all right, Michael, all right, you're looking out for the other person that you're making out with. <laughs> yeah. All right. Causing them to experience things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. The start of are very not subtle uh, parallel between orgasms and these visions. Yeah. So yeah. sorry. <laughs> so then we go to science class, and this science class is different and has a different teacher than the science class from the pilot and the science yep. class from Heat Wave. Yep. So, wow, they're just, like, really cycling through those teachers. It's yep. like Defense Against the Dark Arts. Yeah. Yes. Hopefully they're not all dying gruesome deaths. <laughs> Maybe they're being abducted by aliens. Maybe, Maybe they're being eaten by praying mantises. You never Ooh. know. Uh-oh. Oh, Dr. Gregory. <laughs> and, okay, so this is where we get this scene. Max hands a piece of paper to Liz. She drops her pencil. He goes under the desk to get it and touches her hand, and she is moaning. And I was like, okay, from the teacher's perspective, Liz is, like, orgasmically moaning while Max is under the table, and we can't see what he's doing down there. Yeah. yeah. What does the teacher think is happening? Uh, something that's detention worthy for sure. I would say more than detention if, you know, yeah. things were happening in class. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's just because they are, they both have a history of being such good students that he's like, okay, just detention this time. Yeah. For causing a disruption. Also, can I just say like when this scene started uh, and he goes to pick up her pencil and then was holding her hand. I was like, how sweet. Like they're at school, so they can't really do, you know, so they can't really do anything. And he just wants to kind of have some contact with her. Like he's holding her hand. Isn't that sweet? And then it just <laughs> took a turn. And it was no yeah, longer yeah. sweet. I have to say, I love Maria and um, Alex, I believe it is, looking on during this yeah. scene. They just, like, keep cutting to the two of them with these, like, awkward looks on their faces. Like, what is going on over there? <laughs> and so Maria goes outside to the bleachers to talk to Michael, and they agree that it's unlikely Max and Liz have discovered some new sensation heretofore unknown, which I think is cute because I think this is a thing a lot of teenagers or people of any age who are exploring their sexuality like you kind of feel like you're the first one who's ever felt this way and no one has experienced the things you're experiencing and max and liz are just like we have this connection that no one's ever felt before and maria's like yeah so that's baloney right and michael's like oh my god total baloney but we <laughs> should try just in case it works for us yeah mm -hmm. maybe yeah. maybe we should try this out also and they do yeah um, Mahandra also said during the commentary that um, when they started 
this series and she had read the books ahead of time. So she knew that Maria and Michael were going to get together. She was not impressed with Brendan when she met him, when they started filming the series and she begged Jason Kadams to either have Colin Hanks play Michael or that Maria could hook up with Alex instead of Michael because she did not want to have to make out with Brendan. But was into Colin, I guess. Yes. Mm-hmm. She could have made out with Isabel, just saying. Yeah. Yeah, that would have made for a better story. Um, But then I believe by this point in the filming, uh, Mahandra and Brendan had uh, come around to each other because I believe they were dating by this point. I know they dated on and off during the run of the series. Yeah, she does say in the commentary, she's like, but I came around. But when the series first started, she was not impressed with him when they first met. Well, that's that's fun. so funny because it's like Michael and Maria, you know, like she kind of like thought he was rude, was scared of him mm-hmm. and then totally came around like on again, off again. Yeah, maybe what we're watching is really just the course of their actual development. And the writers are just like watching them on breaks being like, oh, this is good. Let's put this in the show. Yeah, <laughs> let's just film this. Let's just repeat that for the episode, please. And when they're making out, uh, Maria starts saying that she saw something and it seems like she's lying. I like right then was like, <laughs> oh, that's not real. Um, also because for Liz, like she saw the stuff and so did we as a viewer. Yeah. Uh, when they mm-hmm. were, when this was happening with Michael and Maria, we didn't see anything. So you kind of knew she was yeah. lying. Um, but then he knew about red sneakers from her childhood. So yeah, I was like, huh, maybe he's seeing stuff and she's not. So here's my question. In this scene, Michael sees Maria as a little girl. In a later scene, Max sees Liz as a little girl. Is this not really freaking disturbing? Why is this image in either of their brains while they're making out? And if you all of a sudden started seeing images of a small child while you were kissing someone, wouldn't you be like, oh, hang on, let's let's take a break. This is yeah. not sexy. Kind of killing the mood here. Um, I would think that would be pretty disturbing. I agree like seeing actual images i'm thinking of it as like the only way that they can portray it on it on this tv show is by showing us like actual images but i feel like for them maybe it wasn't like they were seeing actual images so much as like feeling the memories and like i do see that as being something that could make you feel closer to that person um Mm -hmm. seeing their memories of when they were little and not necessarily like ooh, a little girl like you know kind of just being so close to liz and then you know feeling like you know her even better just to kind of uh i don't know try to look at it both ways i like that idea but i do get where you're coming from totally (laughs) it was weird to be intercutting like oh yeah this is oh yes uh," and then like children i was like oh oh this is yeah (laughs) If that's what had been in Michael's brain, I really think he would have been like, hang on, let it pass. Okay, now we can kiss again. Right. But I think, right, I think, Aliza, like you're saying, it's the idea of them opening themselves up. Like, it's clearly this parallel to sex where instead of letting a person physically inside of her body, Maria is letting Michael mentally inside of herself. Um, I think I would have been more into it if it was like, oh, this is the way you feel about this. Or like... Last night when you went to bed, you were missing your dad or your Dalmatian or whatever. Right. Because there are ways to be closer to someone by learning more about them now than seeing a little girl in your head. Yeah. Right. I get that. 
Per Max's note, it must be sixth period because he and Liz are making out in the eraser room. Yeah. Getting too hot and heavy for being at school. Yes. And clearly way too freaking loud because they get caught. Yeah. So the thing that I thought in this scene when she starts having a hallucination is that like if in real life someone were describing this to me and they were like, yeah, and like suddenly I started feeling this, the way she's like, Max, hold me. I mean, yeah, it felt dirty, but I was also thinking that like if someone told me that this was happening to them in real life, it would sound to me like a seizure. Mm, And I think mm -hmm. that's because I have seizures on my mind because I've been going through stuff. But yeah, it's just like, oh, okay, you have something neurological going on. Like go to the hospital, go get an MRI. Yeah, it'd be a very disorienting feeling, I'm sure. Yeah. She might physically need some support to hold her up. Yeah. So that was just my first thought. But this is not real life. This is supernatural or science fiction or whatever. So that's okay. But yeah, she has this other hallucination. And then they get caught, like you said. And cut to the principal's office. And the principal is explaining to both Liz's mom and Max's mom how they were doing what we used to call making out. (laughs) Which, FYI, we still call it that. Yeah. That didn't change. I think we still call it that, right? I mean, I I still call it that. But I'm the same age as, you know, Liz and Max in actuality. So... Yeah, so at that point, the teenagers were still calling it making out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The term making out originated in America in the late 1940s. Mm. According to all of the internet sites that I consulted, and the first printed reference that I found was in a 1949 New York Times article that was talking about cool new slang that the kids were using. And they're like, a man that we used to call a wolf is now called a makeout artist. And I was like, what a oh. fun way to refer to someone. I have not heard artist. either of those terms. What do we call them now? We just don't have a term for that. I don't know. Uh, uh, a stud? I don't, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, like a lecherous <laughs> guy? A I don't good know. kisser? Yeah. Rare? <laughs> well, I think the this seemed to be more like he was a, like a player, maybe? Oh, okay. I think that yeah, term's yeah. a little dated, but okay. yeah, sort of like that. But as the principal says, we're talking sexual activity here, not erasers. <laughs> and so, okay, I had a question because the parents are called in for this. We're all like, oh, but Max and Liz are such good students. Do they not know what happened in Blind Date? Because it's kind of a small city, town, whatever. It was broadcast on the radio. Yeah. And Max and Kyle were both drunk in public. Yeah. Yeah. They were on the stage. The Parker's restaurant, even though the Parker's were never there for whatever reason. So I feel like that should have been somewhere acknowledged that, like, oh my God, you just were drunk less than a week ago, yelling at Liz in public and, like, embarrassing, maybe not yelling at her, but, like, having this whole confrontation with her and these two other dudes. What the heck, Max? What are you doing, bud? Yeah. I think this is another example of the parents. And, and adults in general in Roswell being bad at their jobs, whether it's their professions yeah. or parenting. Yeah. See, I thought this was an example of the writers of Roswell being bad at their jobs, but maybe okay, it's both. Okay, that too. And they're only <laughs> present when it is necessary for the plot. Yeah. Or convenient for the plot. Liz is very indignant about this whole situation, and she is just straight up 
lying. And I'm like, dude, you don't get to be on your high horse. She's like, this was just a mix up. It's not like I've never kissed a boy before. I'm like, that wasn't the issue, baby girl. Yeah, this is a mix up, like, but but doesn't explain like what's being mixed up. Yeah, nothing was mixed up. Everyone knew no. exactly what the situation was. And this is where I really start to feel sorry for Nancy Parker, Liz's mom, um, who's just like, okay, I don't know what's going on. But like, you're a good student. We're going to talk about this. Just come straight home after school. And Liz is like, oh, I have detention. And her mom's like, whoops. Okay, I don't, I don't know how to handle this. Whoops, not only did I cut two periods, I also have detention today. Sorry, mom. Yeah, but I also wondered, is the parents being called in the only consequence of their loud making out in the eraser room because it seems like they should have gotten additional detention or something for that i think it is it seems like he's trying to say like because he said you know we all we all want that to continue that for them to stay on the honor roll that like he it seemed like he's like okay i'm letting you off because i don't want to punish you but this is your one mm-hmm. chance kind of thing but telling parents is a punishment of sorts yeah I guess, yeah. Yeah, assuming your parents are active in your life and... Yeah, which is not always the case. So Liz also sees Alex in the hallway and is like, oh my god, the most incredible thing is happening to me and I don't understand it. And he, I love his reaction. He's just like, what? So perplexed. (laughs) So then Alex goes out to the cafeteria to find someone he would like to be smooching. Dear lovely Miss Isabel. Um, Isabel's eating some pizza. With hot sauce! Of course. (laughs) Because, like, they don't even eat anything without hot sauce well here's something that i didn't get alex offers himself up as a kissing partner for isabel in case she wants to do any experimentation and she is super nice and is like it's not gonna happen but do you want some pizza i'm like okay (laughs) so (laughs) we've been watching her tell him you need to back off this isn't going to happen please stop with this but of course girls and women we don't know what we want so this is fine it's totally great because alex knows better than isabel does what she really wants jan oxenberg noted feminist yeah prove it if you're a feminist prove it because this episode does not no yeah this grossed me out how many times does she have to say no like she shouldn't have to repeat no she already said well, it. Well, she says no until she says yes, because that's what women do. Because whoever knows what women are thinking, because they can't speak or anything. Not women. Women don't know what they're thinking. Women don't know anything, apparently. Nope. So yeah, it, I love Alex, but it really frustrated me. If she says no one time, that should be enough. Yeah, but it, we're now on like time five or six. Yeah. Right. And I feel like the last time he acted like he got it and was going to respect her wishes. Yeah. And is now like, JK, kiss me. Kiss me, kiss me. Well, we have to have the setup for them to actually kiss at the end of the episode, because otherwise yeah, that be- would be out of the blue. Right. But like, their kissing is stupid. Yeah. Their kissing is not necessary. Isabel has said she's not interested. It's another example for people to see a woman saying no, 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 no. And then coming and saying yes, which makes people think that that's what it is in real life and that it's okay in real life. It's not. So that's annoying. I don't like to see that. Yeah. Well, and clearly this does happen sometimes in real life, as Lorena just told us about Mahandra and Brendan. 
Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I would imagine and hope that Brenton wasn't like following her around, bothering her, that they just organically got to know each other over time. And so their feelings toward each other changed, which is fine and which does happen. The thing that's an yeah. issue is thinking that no means yes. And so when someone tells you to screw off, being like, great, so I'll show up at your house at three in the morning. Okay. Or that no is a challenge because there's this glorified right. idea of like fighting for someone. It's like, oh, I'm going to well, right. fight for her. The woman is a prize for you to uh-huh. win. But it's like you can't fight for someone who doesn't want you. That is forcing yourself upon someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> we could talk about on. this forever. In science class, Liz is looking at this poster on the wall, and she asks the science teacher about it, and he tells her it's the whirlwind galaxy. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, he very he goes real hard on that H, uh, <sighs> but which I looked up and only found whirlpool galaxy. I don't yeah, think the whirlwind, whirlwind galaxy, galaxy is not real. Thing. Yeah. Good job, science. But there is whirlpool galaxy. So I'm wondering if this poster was in their class all along. Does it not occur to anyone that maybe Liz saw the poster? internalized it and then while she and max were kissing just like it got called up into her consciousness and she was like nope. hmm nope no it's just like super convenient that the same thing she saw in her image in her vision has been a poster in her science classroom that they have never noticed before okay that's wow. of all possible galaxies in our infinite universe no, there are like, what, three or four galaxies? So, yeah, I mean, the odds were good that this would oh, be one of them. Yeah, just <laughs> yeah, a couple. Fine. And there might it's be fine. posters of the other three galaxies that exist around the rest of the room, and we just don't see them. Every Yeah, every piece of the universe is, like, on a poster somewhere in the room, obviously. Yeah, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the teacher gives them their detention assignments, and then, as you do when you have kids for detention, leaves them alone together. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because he's like, you were doing sexy stuff in my classroom during class. Now let me give you an opportunity to do sexy stuff in my classroom when I'm not here. Yeah. I'm sure you'll show more restraint than you did when you were with 25 of your peers. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely. And I was really hoping that when Liz was like, Max, I saw this. Max would be like, Liz, I saw it too. It's been on the wall of our science class the whole semester. <laughs> <laughs> but alas. <sighs> She thinks she saw the 1947 crash. Dun, bum, 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 dun, 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 dun. And then we head home to Liz's room. So detention must be over. And her mom comes in to talk to her. And we get some nice teen angst and attempted uh, motherly talking to about the birds and the bees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really liked Nancy's little thing here where she's just like, don't ever have sex. Don't ever leave this house. Don't ever stop being my baby girl. Okay. Cause like, she's clearly not serious about this. She's just yeah. like having this moment where she's having a yeah. really hard time letting Liz go. And she like tells her, you know, you were this little girl. Now you're this young woman, which Liz's dad is a reflection of the conversation that Liz's dad had with her in into the woods, which Liz didn't take as well. Um, I think Nancy's doing a great job trying to deal with her daughter growing up. I do think Liz should probably be in more trouble for skipping class to make out with a boy. Yes, I see a longer conversation. And maybe being grounded for like a couple days or losing some privilege. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is the problem with giving your teenager a room that has a window to a balcony that leads that to the street. That has a ladder to the street, yeah. Guys, I was worried about her getting murdered, but like, yeah, she's definitely also going to be sneaking out constantly. Yeah. I would. And then she's going to get murdered. 
or abducted. Yes. It is Roswell. Yeah, that's true. And next up, we're in Michael's new apartment, where he now has his own place yeah. because he is an emancipated minor. And he's getting settled into his place. So Blind Date was episode 14. We're in episode 16. Six days have passed. So all of the events of episode 15, Independence Day, happened somewhere in those six days. Yes. Michael went through the entire legal process of getting emancipated, presumably yes. got a job, because how would he get an apartment without showing proof of income, and how would he get mm -hmm. emancipated without showing he could financially care for himself and had a place to live? Mm -hmm. So, wowzers, I He's on top of need it. to hire uh, Mr. Evans for any legal needs I have, because clearly he's a miracle worker. Yeah, it's amazing. It really is unbelievable. <laughs> Quite literally incredible. Mm-hmm. And Isabel is putting away groceries here because she's the girl and that's what girls do. Yeah. Yep. She also asks if um, Michael has a juicer, which <laughs> apparently was a line that Katherine Heigl improved and they kept it in. Oh, cute. Oh, that's good. Because, like, <laughs> I thought it was that's funny. ridiculous. Of course he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Most people don't. Isabel also makes a great reference here to a show I wouldn't think she would know anything about. But, of course... She references Captain Kirk and the Klingons. Yes. So way to go, Isabel. She's pretty skeptical about this whole thing. Well, I also thought it was interesting. That remark is in reference to Michael asking if Liz saw their parents, which I thought was very poignant because, of course, Michael, among all of them, has the most reason to want to find their parents. And he's yeah. been on this whole search for his family, uh, which is why he's been extra interested in finding Nisado. So I like that they put that in there. Mm -hmm. And Isabel was just like, yeah, sure. You kissed a girl and made her see inside your soul. Okay, buddy. Sure. Uh, there's also a continuity issue here where Isabel is putting away the groceries and then she turns around, the bag disappears, and suddenly she's, like, drying a glass. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, me too. But we can always count on Lisa to catch those yep. things. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> so Michael and Isabel want to know more about what Max saw, and he's kind of protective, saying that, like, what's inside Liz's head is private, which I appreciate. I did, too. He's, yeah, he's not going to share her secrets. They're not his stories to tell. So Michael gets frustrated and says that he's going to pursue his own avenues. <laughs> and we all know what that means. Yep. <laughs> hey, Maria, what's up, girl? Hey, let's make out. But then she admits that she didn't actually have a vision, and he says he didn't either. She's Aww. like, um, Michael, I faked it, Okay. And we're all like, oh, buddy. <laughs> but she just wants them to be close, which is very sweet. And then Michael, of course, doing his Michael thing is like, well, I could act like a person, but then I'd have to fake it. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Ooh. Michael. He just has to be a dick at the end of it. Well, he has to be closed off emotionally so that Maria can't see inside his soul or mind or whatever. Mm -hmm. seconds after the naked girls depart from the locker room Max is there and he's actually there this time he has come yeah. to the girls locker room when he knows gym class is starting up because he's a creep yeah he wants to see if it's real <laughs> but first the reason that 
Liz is in the locker room alone when everyone else has left is because Maria kind of freaks out and is like, you have to go look in the mirror. Seriously, go right now, look in the mirror. And we find out it's because not only does Liz have a hickey, she has a hickey that glows. Yeah. Yes. But speaking of mirrors, I thought it was a nice directorial touch that when they are taught, when Max and Liz are talking about seeing and feeling what the other ones saw and felt, there are a lot of literal reflections in the mirrors to go along with the mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the metaphorical reflections that they yeah. are discussing. It's a nice touch. I thought it was cute. Sherry Appleby mentioned there's like only one full frame shot of her body lengthwise in this and. Um, she mentioned that she's wearing the wrong shoes. She's not wearing gym shoes in it because she's wearing shoes that have lifts in them because oh. she's going to be in a scene with Jason Bear and he's so much taller than her. Mm. Oh. So there's like one shortcut where you see her full body length and you see her shoes and they're not track shoes. Can you tell that they have the lift? No, not from the shot. It's really fast and they're okay. like black shoes like... Uh, even on my like big TV, I would have just assumed they were like black tennis shoes instead of white tennis shoes. Like you don't see them super yeah. clearly, but she mentions that there are special shoes with lifts in them. So I thought that was a cute little bit. According to Google, Sherry Appleby is five foot three and Jason Bear is six feet. So yeah, a substantial height difference. Yeah. Yeah. And we have mentioned before how tall all of the aliens are. So I thought it was uh, interesting that she's wearing literal lifts for a one on one scene with him so that they don't have to apple box it like Scully and Buffy. Yes. (laughs) And when Max puts his hand on the glowing hickey, Liz starts seeing some military guys doing maneuvers and she hears this beeping that she's been hearing along with these visions. And it's the same beeping that we heard when we saw the radio tower at the beginning. Hmm. Wonder if this will ever be relevant again. Hmm. But at Michael's house, Michael and Isabel are talking and Michael's kind of having this theory about maybe it's messages from Nisado that are coming through Liz Or, you know, that maybe the more that they connect with the humans, the more that they find out. And then Isabel suggests that maybe it's it's stuff that's inside of them that they're just not aware of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they're having kind of different theories about it. And I thought it was interesting that Michael had the theory about them essentially like needing to connect with humans to see more of themselves because of all of them, Michael has been the one who's most resistant to getting in touch with his human side and to building connections with the humans. So it's interesting that he's now like, huh, maybe this is the way that it's supposed to be. And then Max has invited Liz over to Michael's apartment. And Michael says, and look, I usually like it when Michael calls Max Maxwell. I think it's really cute. But here he says to him, go for it, Maxwell, for the good of all mankind, you lucky, undeserving dog. And I didn't like it one bit. (laughs) gross and michael says max has available to him one of the top three seduction lines in history it's gonna help me find my home planet i like that line i think that one <laughs> i was amused by it as well i like that max is reluctant like he doesn't want to use liz he doesn't want her to feel like she's just a thing yeah that is nice um but i like that line about help me find my home planet just as like a comedic thing Mm-hmm. so when when they're Fixing to leave, Isabel like flips the light switch off and then she magics on a bunch of candles and I'm like, that's your brother, that's your brother, that's your brother, that's your brother. Oh my God, it's your brother. Oh my God, it's your brother. But she wants him to figure out the answers so that she doesn't have to connect with humans and figure out the answer herself. 
I think it's totally implausible as a woman who has a brother. The last thing I want to think about is my brother doing things by candlelight. (laughs) So like the idea that Isabel would be so giddy about this. I'm just like, I don't believe it because they're siblings, but also because she's been opposed to him and Liz from the beginning. And so I know now like they're getting some answers. So her feelings towards it maybe changing yeah it's a little different i just thought this was a little icky she's like yeah max get it on bro i love that she did that trick though i agree it's like kind of weird but i didn't know that she could like pull a bonnie bennett like that and that is a vampire diaries reference for any listeners Uh. who know the vampire diaries because that was like bonnie's thing when she's first first figuring out her magic is like turning candles like lighting candles with her mind fire magic so it reminded me of that so i liked it but I agree, it's weird. I like the little exchange that they have when Liz shows up and Isabel's like, how's it going? And Liz is just like, strange? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. it's weird. Yeah, it's weird. It's legit. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Michael's like, oh, I queued up some Shaka Khan for you. Yeah. Michael owns a Shaka Khan CD. I don't know if I buy this. <laughs> Maybe he bought it special. If you're going to make out, you might as well do it to Shaka Khan. Sure. So this is where we find out that Liz's hickey that was glowing is now, like, black and... It's like a nasty scab. Kind of fetid? Yeah. Yeah. I think we should be a little more worried about this. That is not normal for a hickey. Even a glowy one, probably. It's not a magic hickey or a regular hickey now. It's, like, a weird growth. I had to pull up the closed captions because they're, like, talking while they're making out, and I couldn't understand what they were saying. But they're talking about, like, oh... Maybe this is because of the making out, or maybe it's because we were away from each other for too long. I'm like, y'all should like take a minute and talk about this because if it's the connection that you have that's harming her, like who knows what's gonna happen if it keeps going? This could be putting her in real danger, and they both seem to just sort of be like, well, whatever, we're gonna make out anyway. Yeah. Well, she does say though, like, could I get sick? And he's like, I don't know anything and during that whole exchange as well. So that is on their mind, just not enough on their mind to make them stop. (laughs) Yeah. And so Max's powers have never been used before to cause harm, as far as I can recall. So this would be the first instance, like if it is coming from Max somehow, this would be the first time that we see his powers being used for like destructive or negative purposes. And so I really wanted us to explore that more, but he just like heals it and then it's fine. Mm-hmm. And the healing of it doesn't cause a vision like it did when it was glowing and he touched it. That's weird. Um, And then, so Max runs his hand up Liz's arm and her skin glows and she's like, hey, can you take off your shirt? I am asking you for consent because that is what responsible people do when they are being respectful of their partner. And Max is like, yes, I can take off my shirt. Thank you so much for asking. This interaction has become so much more pleasurable for both of us. (laughs) Yep. Mm hmm. So when Jason Bear takes a shirt off, I do think, wow, quote unquote, 16 year old Jason. Those are some (laughs) muscles. Um. Shiri and Mahandra both commented on this when his shirt came off. They're like, my high school boyfriends did not look like this. No. Who, what 16-year-old boy looks like this? And then uh, Mahandra also made a comment that Brendan Fair's body is also not nearly as good as Jason Bear's body. She's like, uh, and then I had to, you got to make out with Jason and I had to make out with Brendan and his body did not look like this body. <laughs> 
we should also just make a note here that no body is better than another body. Yes. Just some have more muscles and some have, uh, you know, fewer strong muscles. Yes. But Max's body is glowing. You just can't see it because it's on the inside. inside. As he tells Liz in the corniest moment of the episode. Everywhere. My toes. My heart. Yeah. Why are those the only two places he could think of? <laughs> <laughs> So we get our next flash, which is more beeping. There's a restricted area sign. Someone's burying something near the radio tower Liz has been seeing. The sign says that the Army Corps of Engineers is involved. Um, they weren't. It was the Air Force. Whatevs. <laughs> um, can I also just say before the hallucination even when they are making out the camera angles are wild here it's like up close there's one where we just see like the top of his spine and then her like eyes in front of him it's they're very weird just a lot of like skin and like shoulder and like head it's it, it's confusing and i didn't like it <laughs> yeah so i am willing to publicly say i don't like sex scenes Period. I don't enjoy watching them. I especially don't enjoy them when the people partaking are supposed to be teenagers. I think it's a little... Yeah. Uh, But yes, this in particular, I honestly, I just wasn't watching it most of the time. I looked away. But like, yeah, Aliza, weird close-ups of very like particular parts of Jason Bear's back. I was like, why are... Is there, I was looking at like, oh, is there something, is there like an alien thing that I'm supposed to be looking for? Nope, just, right? okay, we're just looking at it. Okay, just looking at his body. All right. <laughs> right, like why that angle if there wasn't something that they wanted us to see on his back? Yeah, I don't know. But Maria sure got an eyeful when she showed mm-hmm. up because they did not lock that door. Nope. So Maria breaks up sexy time and drives Liz home. And uh, Mer- Liz does not want any lectures from Maria about this whole situation. Yeah, Maria's kind of freaking out. Yeah, but like Maria has a point because of the way that Max has treated Liz in the past. So like Liz yeah. starts, or sorry, Maria starts talking about is it spiders? Where she's like, sometimes they mate and they just like bite each other's heads off. And Liz is like, what? Are you saying Max is just gonna bite my head off? And I'm like, yes, he's not literally, but metaphorically done this to you before. Kissy kissy, oh, let's just be friends. More kissy kissy, oh, I don't want this. More kissy kissy, I think we really need to slow down here. Um, Telling her how much he loves her and how much he wants to be with her. And then, oh, I don't remember saying any of that. Yeah. Yeah. Like that must have really hurt. Yeah. Yeah, He's he has really hurt her. And Liz just says it feels right. Yeah, whatever, Liz. This is another place where I think they do a better job in the books handling this than they do in the show. So whenever we get around to making our minisodes about the books or our book club or whatever we're doing, I want to talk about this because I like the Max-Liz relationship a lot more in the books than I do in the Mm show. um, Because I think they're both a lot more thoughtful and emotionally mature. Yes. And they actually like think about what they're putting the other person through. Even if they make bad choices, they reflect on them. Yeah. And the show is only based on the first book. Yeah, clearly. The pilot, and then it goes off and does its whole own thing. So none of the rest of the books were taken into account with the show because they were all coming out on a similar timeline of the TV series itself. Like, so the 
book was picked up to be a TV series very quickly after it came out. So even though the series continued into, I think, what, 10 books, mm-hmm. like none of the other ones have any effect on the timeline of the show. Which is a bummer because some of the stories in the books are pretty cool and I would have liked yeah. to see them make it into the plots of some episodes. Yes. Agreed. Um, can I just say also in this scene in the car, Maria's freaking out, but she also does mention that she and Michael did more than kissing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To which I would like to say, does she think that repeating over and over again, oh my God, in a disgustingly <laughs> sexual voice counts as more than kissing? Because in, in that case, then yes, they did. I thought she meant like... There was some touching. Yeah. Which, whatever. Maybe he got to second base. Like, over the shirt. Yeah. Let's seamlessly transition to Liz's room. (laughs) Hey, Liz's mom, I warned you about this setup and you didn't listen to me. Mm Mm-hmm. And now your teenage daughter is sneaking in late at night. Come on, bud. And then is being totally unreasonable when her mom is upset about it, mad at her, which her mom has every right to be. They had just Mm -hmm. talked about all this. Because Mm -hmm. Liz is a minor, and she is still in the care of her parents and lives in their home. Yes. And is sneaking out late at night to see a boy. And, like, Nancy is the most patient and the most kind and understanding. Liz says, you don't even see me. And Nancy is like, okay, then, like, help me see you. Talk to me. Tell me what's going Mm on. And then she's like, oh, no, I think you have a fever. I'm worried about you. I'm worried about your physical health because you are my child. And Liz says, this is my body. I don't have to tell you every single thing about it. Which, like, in another context, I would be like, yeah, of course that's true. Like, you don't you don't have to. But in this case, like, yeah, she's worried that you have a flu or something. Calm down. Yeah, she's not like, you know, I are you having sex? Like, uh, oh, God, who is that rapper who, like, took his daughter to check if her hymen was broken? Which, by the way, is not a real thing. It's not a real thing. Um, yeah, it's not like that. She Like, she's not trying to, like, completely invade her privacy. She's just, like, worried about her and caring about her and has a right to be mad when she's sneaking out after having detention. And really, like, given the relationship between them, even if she had been asking Liz, like, were you out having sex with Max? I would have understood it. Like, not that Liz has to tell her everything she's doing with her body, but Mrs. Parker has made it clear she wants Liz to be safe and she wants her to be careful and she wants her to be making good decisions. And so it's reasonable to be asking these kinds of questions. Yeah, also because Liz just said that she wasn't having sex with him. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, she's sneaking in late at night. She's clearly lying to her mom. And so, like, I would understand if her mom wants to sit her down and be like, well, whether or not you're having sex, like, y- you have to sit through my talking to you about condoms and, like, yeah. just safety in general and consent. And we're putting a safety lock on this window. And your father and I will be alerted if you open it. So stop sneaking out of the house. She tells her mom to stop trying to control her. Yeah, I don't. Whatever, Liz. It's just not that's it's just not fair. Her mom's just trying to like be a mom, be a part of her life and keep her safe. Yeah. So I'm really curious if Aliza and Lorena, if y'all remember when you were watching this when you were younger, did you identify more with Liz? I don't remember, but probably I remember identifying with Liz in general, a lot more than I do now. Oh, yeah, I'm sure I did. I don't remember specifically, and I wasn't dating anybody at that age, but I'm sure I identified more with Liz in general about 
you know, just other aspects of mother-daughter relationship. Yeah, I wonder if, I mean, I this is obviously written for teenagers, and I think all of us are now closer probably in age to the parents than to the teenagers yes, in this yes. show. Or we're like in some somewhere in the middle. I could have a daughter Liz's age without having had her as a minor. So yes, Ooh, all I'm right. parent age now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I wonder how much that colors our perceptions. But I think in this case, Liz is just being a jerk. Yeah, totally. And I think like when I was little, I remember I just loved the love stories. You know, I was obsessed with like Max and Liz. Oh. I loved Buffy and yes. Angel and just like yeah. the like heart wrenching love stories and had no yeah. idea like how fucked up some of this stuff was. Um, and so, yeah, I totally like wanted to be Liz because I wanted to have that like her and I probably was siding with her. Well, I wanted to be Maria because I wanted to make out with Michael. Oh. <laughs> See, I never liked the love stories that we got on TV and in movies. Like, I just never found them interesting or compelling. So, like, when I was little, I wanted to be a princess. But when someone was like, who's your prince? I would be like, <laughs> Nah, give me a horse. I'm a rider on my kingdom. I'm like, go frolic yeah. in the forest and ride through a river and like talk to some birds and squirrels and chipmunks. Peace out. Bye. Nice. Which I mean, honestly, if someone offered that to me right now, I would still be cool with it. Yeah. So if anyone's got a tiara and a horse, hit me up. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would also like to be a princess, even though that yes. was never my dream. I, I would still like it. Times three. We can all ride horses around and talk to chipmunks. In our own platonic friendship. Yes. I remember finding out that queens were more important in the royal lineage than princesses. Mm -hmm. And from that point on, I was like, I'm not a princess. I would like to be the queen. I will be the queen of everything. And there's a great series of art prints and things by an artist who I will find and put in the show notes. But yes, that was as soon as I was like, more power. I would like the, the more powerful position, please. So basically, you're Lucy Van Pelt from Peanuts. Uh, from Lucy (laughs) from Peanuts Gallery she's the queen of everything also (laughs) yeah fair put me in charge I'm I'm ready so outside Maria finds Michael like sitting on the hood of a car his car a car yep why is he doing this why is he here alone why is he at the crash down why isn't he just like hanging out with Isabel because they left together Right. Did she drop him off outside of the crash down and then drive herself home? Yeah, he's just like hilling time. And she tells him that they that she drove Liz home and he's just an asshole being like, okay, great, I can catch the hockey game. And yeah, leaves, starts just yep. walking away. Which means he also can afford a TV in his new apartment and maybe cable. So he has ESPN. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's just bunny earing it and they get it on network. Yeah, it could be if it was like a big game. Also, is hockey on in February? It seems like it would be, right? Yeah. Yeah, it seems like it would be. I think so. Is it popular in New Mexico? Yeah, <laughs> I can't imagine New Mexico has a hockey team. Yeah. I mean, they might, but I wouldn't imagine it's super popular like it is in places that it snows and lakes freeze and people learn how to ice skate because it is where they live. I wonder if it was Brendan Fair, like, putting in his own little flair, being a Canadian, being like, okay, but I'm going to say something about a hockey game. It could be. I did find out from the commentary that the decorations in um, Michael's apartment, all the Metallica posters were Brendan's thing. He wanted Metallica posters. Oh. He decorated the apartment and both Shiri and um, Mahandra were like, "Uh, you know, this isn't like 
you, this is Michael, the character you're playing. And he was like very adamant about what decorations he wanted in his new apartment. Okay. As Brendan. All right. <laughs> okay. New Mexico has the New Mexico Ice Wolves, which play in the North American Hockey League, oh, which okay. is the NAHL. Oh, so. Yeah. Not the NHL. So I assume it's like minor <laughs> leagues. Yeah. So Max shows up outside Liz's house. In his Romeo and Juliet way where he's calling up to her on her balcony. Yep. As always. Um, she tells him about the hallucination she had where the thing was being buried. But why didn't she tell him that when it happened? Just because Maria burst in? Yeah. I, it implies that Maria like dragged her out of there and yeah, like, didn't whisked even her away get to talk. Against her will. <laughs> um, and then there are, they decide they need to go find it. And she leaves with him. Liz shows Max the drawing she made of what she saw, which was an intact radio tower. And Max is like, oh, I recognize this. It's near Highway 42. And I'm like, no, dummy. I saw this already at the beginning of the show. It's fallen down by this point. So you wouldn't have recognized it from that highway because it hasn't looked like that the whole time you've been alive. And also, is there one radio tower in all of New Mexico? Yes, just one. Just one. Mm Mm-hmm. There must be. That's all you need. And it's broken. So how did they broadcast Liz's blind date in the last episode? The one radio tower is just has fallen down. I know. They just have one radio tower. There are only three or four galaxies in the universe. These are things we know for a fact. This is a good point. Yeah. And so Max actually does bring up here that he should go to Michael. And Liz is like, is that really what you want to do? Or do you, again, want to share an experience that you should be having with your family, with the other two people who this really impacts? Do you want to take that experience and instead have it with me? Because we could make out and stuff. Yeah. And Max is like, great point. <laughs> so they skedaddle. Yep. Mm-hmm. They're going to drive to where the visions are so that they can um, be very scientific and find out what the next steps are going to be. And they're going to find out those steps by making out. Are they going to have sex here? Because I think it seems like they're going to have sex here. Yeah. Yeah. Because he says, are you sure? It's implied. It's Mm -hmm. implied. It's February and they're in the desert. I would think it would be cold at night. And they hear coyotes nearby. And they're like, that's Mm -hmm. fine. They'll just watch us blanking. It's cool. Don't worry about it. Coyotes are friendly. So when Liz hears the beeping, they go off and they dig up the glowy rock. Yay! This show really likes glowy rocks. The like, glowy Nerf is... football. Yes. And the second they find it, they're like, oh, great, we're done, and walk away. Whereas, like, if I just found something underground that was, like, so amazing and important, I would maybe dig a little more to see if there's anything else buried with it, personally. Well, but she didn't hallucinate anything else, so... Oh, right. Okay. I think, like, did the beeping stop when they found it? I don't know. But the stone has the same symbol as the necklace that Isabel found in the geodesic dome, which they took to River Dog. It was a whole thing. And and that they drew in the sand when they were kids. Yeah. I'm sure that Isabel would have appreciated being a part of this moment, but Max wants to Yay. hang out with Liz instead. And sleep all night in the cold desert on the ground? Right. They found what they wanted and they didn't go home. They just went to bed. It's, like I said earlier, it's 75 miles away, which is not a short drive, but they made it back from Marathon, Texas in record time in 285 South in Riverdog. So I would assume that they could just teleport back. I guess not, because they decide to sleep on the ground in the cold desert with coyotes circling. Yep. And there are rocks under them. Yeah. 
They have just like a blanket. It's not like a like air mattress. And poor Nancy Parker has to find Liz's bed all empty in the morning, which must be very concerning slash infuriating. Liz is being really unfair to her mom, who is like trying her best to be a good mom. Yeah. And where is Liz's dad? Like he shows up. Liz's dad shows up when it's plot convenient. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to assume the rest of the time he's running the restaurant because Liz yeah. isn't around to do it like she usually does. Yeah. Somebody's got to run it. And then Izzy shows up at Alex's house really early in the morning. Yeah. He's like in his PJs. He's yawning. He like looks like maybe he thinks he's dreaming when, <laughs> <laughs> when she shows up at his door. Uh, yeah. And he thinks, oh, well, she wants help looking for them. I'll go get my car keys. Like, we'll go look for them if, if uh, Max and Liz are missing and she's like no let's like make out let's see if we can find out any information I'm just gonna use you for science which like it's clear that she's lying she doesn't actually think she's going to get any any information from him she thinks Liz and Max are just off doing the Liz and Max thing right like I don't think she actually expected anything from here I think all of her saying no finally turned into saying yes because that's how lady brains work yeah. And then when she pulls away, she says nothing, uh, nothing relevant to the current crisis. <laughs> like she felt something, but, mm-hmm. um, okay, bye. Leaving. See ya. And he's like, oh, I'm available yeah. for further experiments whenever. And he's clearly so confused. And oh, she walks away like guy. smirking. She's like smiling, but not at him. Not a good look. Yeah. I was perfectly happy to be upset with Alex for being a jerk. And then Isabel's like, well, I'm going to be a jerk too. Yeah. I'm just going to choose to be mad at the writers. It's all their fault anyway. It's true. It's true. So then we go to the desert and Max and Liz wake up together to find this rancher looking guy staring at them. This is the person who we're assuming is Nacedo based on what we saw in the last episode. However, Mm -hmm. uh, he is credited in IMDb as Hispanic Man. Oh. Mm. That is this character's name. Great. He's played by Fernando Negrette. Negrete and yeah awesome yeah so diverse this show and this cast we have added Hispanic man to the cast lest we forget our character earlier on in the show Liz's African-American friend oh right yes yep which we like totally saw coming um the Hispanic man lets them know that they're on private property which is true and I found out that a year ago in February 2019 this site was sold to Dinwiddie Cattle Co. LLC. And I thought that was worth sharing with everybody. (laughs) (laughs) So there are cows there now? I mean, I guess it was a ranch originally. Okay. But Dinwiddie. Come on. Dinwiddie. I just want, (laughs) I want to sign out front that says, come on down to the Dinwiddie Ranch. We'll din your witties and your warties. After we din our witties, we can head over to Michael's place where Michael and Maria are uh, talking. And uh, it. uh, let me know if this is the impression you guys got from this. But I feel like, so they're talking and Maria admits that she was not open about it. And she's lied about things before. And if something went wrong, it's her fault. And Michael says, like, no, it's not your fault. Like, I see you. Um, and it sounds like Michael is saying he really did have visions of Maria. Yeah, Because absolutely. then he mm-hmm. shares more information about the red shoes and specific uh-huh. information that... So when she said she was lying and she didn't see anything... 
he then lied and said, oh, I didn't see anything either, even though he really did, which like makes me feel like she didn't see any visions from him because he was closed off, but she yeah. was open and ready for it. So he did actually see visions of her. And now he's they have kind of a sweet moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. I liked um, at the start of this episode, Maria is like setting her boundaries and she comes at another very early morning visit. She comes and says, look, I just need you to not be cold or mean. If that's impossible, you can just let me know. And I think this sort of like gets to Michael where he's like, oh, yeah, I do do that. OK, let me not do that. Come in. And then they have this conversation that's a lot more honest than a lot of the mm-hmm. conversations that they've had in the past. Um, and I I don't know. I don't like Maria blaming herself for whatever's happening because it's very clearly not her fault. But I thought yeah. it was interesting that she says she fakes things all the time with everybody. So I interpreted that as her meaning like she acts a lot more cheerful than she really mm-hmm. is. She's so upbeat and bubbly all the time. Acts a lot more confident than she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Puts on an aqua bra when she needs a little boost. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was really sweet. And then um, we find out that Maria had a Dalmatian when she was a kid, which Michael saw. And the Dalmatian died when she was seven, right after her father left. Aww. Just oh. so upsetting. I got the yeah. impression from the way that they talked uh, previously. I think it was in 285 South. I got the impression that she never knew her father. But it seems like she did know him he just left when she was young i don't remember the specific conversation about him from 285 south so so she's when they're in the motel she's saying like oh i had these fantasies that my father would pull up in a limo and whisk me away somewhere and i feel like if you know your father and he left you i don't i mean look not to say that that's not a legitimate fantasy at all i just from that like i guess i just assumed oh, she doesn't know okay. this guy. Maybe she thinks he's like some rich baron somewhere who didn't know about her. But when he finds right. out, he'll come and save her from this life. But she could still wish that he would come back and, yeah, you know, absolutely. finally be there for her. Um, I also really like, you know, she says that she she just wanted them to be close. And he puts his arm around her and, like, kisses her on the forehead. Yeah, which is such, like, sweet. an intimate and, like, relationship thing to do. Yeah. Um. It was like he he felt close to her in that moment, it seemed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, it's like he's actually, he's really acknowledging the walls that he has built up that are keeping him from, from being open with her, mm-hmm. keeping her from really seeing him and who he is. Um, so I like that he's acknowledging it. And it seems that with this conversation, they have gotten closer. Yeah. Yeah. And then we head back to the crash town where all four of the parents are together. Yeah. And talking and trying to figure out what they're going to do about their unruly children who have snuck out in the middle of the night and are now missing. And Phil Evans is being pretty open minded. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, maybe they have a good explanation. Just like, yeah, maybe giving it... the benefit of the doubt a little too much, but... Yeah. Is it Nancy <laughs> who says maybe they shouldn't see each other for a while? Yeah. Because that always works. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that doesn't work, but, like, it's also not a crazy idea that, like, these kids were both honor roll students. They're both doing great. They've both been, like, perfect little angels their whole lives. And then all of a sudden now they're sneaking out and getting detention and getting in trouble at school and stuff. It wouldn't have been an effective strategy, but it makes sense that it's something that the parents would think of. 
Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I feel like it would be more effective to say you're grounded for a week and, you know, put a lock on her balcony window or whatever, (laughs) Um, which may be a fire hazard, but okay. Um, You know, I feel like that would be more effective at keeping her away from Max than Mm -hmm. you can't see him anymore, which is like always going to push someone more towards a person. Well, these parents in this scene seem to have a lot of emotional maturity, so I'm hoping that what happens when Max and Liz walk in is that they all have a conversation about what's going on. And I know Max isn't going to tell them the truth because Max is a bonehead and he doesn't trust them for whatever reason. But I think it would be nice if they all just sat down and were like, hey, we know that you're teenagers and you're like young and in love and it feels like it's just you against the world, but we care about you and so we need to have a talk about boundaries and like when you can see each other and when you need to focus on other things and when you need to sleep at night in your own bed at home and like if you are doing physical things here's how to do it as safely as possible yeah and i feel like it's not only like as safely as possible but like with respect and consent and listening to the other person making sure that they're okay with what's happening and that you are Yeah, so I think this scene maybe would have been more effective if we had gotten to have our hearts broken by Sarah McLachlan, whose song was originally here. (gasps) The song Fumbling Towards Ecstasy was what played in the original. Instead, we have Evan Olsen's Taking Away, which I didn't really connect to. No, me neither. (sighs) All the original music, I just wish it was in the episode. I know, it all sounds so good. So good. They're like such topical songs. Yeah. Max and Liz are, of course, across the street, just making out, not thinking about the fact that their parents might be worried that they're not home. Uh, Certainly furious that they're not home. And Liz wants to know if it was ever about the two of them or if she was just being used. And Max has this very weird comeback, which is, is that what you think? Because some girls would give a lot to see themselves fly through outer space. Yeah. What, Max? That's stupid. Like, yeah, she's expressing a real fear, and he's like, but uh, maybe you could use be using me. And it's a fear that he acknowledged to Michael yeah. and Isabel earlier, but won't acknowledge yeah. when she says it that it's valid. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. And then he says, I'm sure it doesn't compare to other things you could be doing, like watching Kyle barf after a beer blast. Like, dude, what? Why would you throw her ex in her face, especially her ex who's a week ago, you were getting drunk with and interrupting her date. Like, yeah. why would you bring this up? It's so mean. She seems to like it, though, because she almost laughs. It felt like a laugh, so I had to rewind. But going by our definition, it was not a laugh. And so there are zero laughs in this episode. Oh, wow. And then she does try to talk about it. She's like, oh, my God, that's so funny. It actually did happen. And he's like, shut up. I don't want to hear about your ex. I mean, he's much nicer about it. But, you know. But it's like, he's like yeah. I'm going to bring up your ex, but you don't get to talk about your ex. Yeah. That's not I how brought this him works. Up, but let's not talk about him. Ugh. And like, poor Kyle. Don't put down Kyle. I'm sure Kyle has done a lot of dumb things. But you know what, Max? He was being really nice to you in the last episode until he, he got you drunk. So let's give Kyle a break. This is true. We have no Valentes in this whole episode. Zero laughs, zero Valentes. What a bummer. Yeah. And okay, so Liz says, okay, so what you're saying is that you saved me from a life of watching Kyle barf, which, bleh. and then Max says, Liz Parker, I don't think that was ever going to be your destiny. And she's like, what <laughs> is my destiny? And he says, I only know the part I'm hoping for. Oh, <laughs> and 
watch <sighs> next episode, he's a dick again. And it's like, oh, we can Probably. only be friends. Yeah. Yep. Can't wait. Uh, but they do. They like lock hands and they go in to meet their fate together. <sighs> Or just to meet the punishment that their parents are going to dole out to them because they're being horrible. I know. I wanted to see that conversation. And them walking into all four of their parents together. By the way, like, Max and Liz have been having this little conversation outside the plate glass door. Their parents could definitely (laughs) see them the whole time. Yeah. Now, knowing Liz's mom, I feel like she would have gone out there and said, get in here, young lady. Get in (laughs) here right now. Hi, are you two done chatting? Because we would like to ground you now. Yeah. Did y'all have any unanswered questions from this episode? Because I sure did. Oh. Tell us yours. And then we'll fill in. First of all, I'm wondering, uh, why now, with the visions, Max and Liz have kissed before, Mm -hmm. and she didn't have any visions. I don't know if she gets more visions when they kiss again, which I'm assuming they do. Um, But it seems odd that it would be now... Um, if the explanation is anything other than plot reasons. And like Michael and Maria, Michael sees into Maria's, did he see her before and he just didn't say anything about it? Or is this just a new development that's happening because it's convenient for this episode? I don't know. Hmm. I have a question. Yes. Why is there a new science teacher? (laughs) Uh, Other than that they couldn't get the same actor back. Let's... What's the backstory here? Why is there a new science teacher? What's the in-universe answer? Oh. Yes. Uh. (laughs) I think it's the alien abduction thing. I think the last science teacher uh, just didn't come to work one day, and everyone assumed she either quit or she got abducted by aliens. Just like happened to that lovely Miss Topolsky, the guidance counselor. Where's she been? No one's seen her in a while. Probably abducted. What a lovely woman. Uh So I also wondered, there are a lot of points where Max and Liz are talking about how they like can't keep their hands off each other and they just need each other. And I was wondering if this is just teen angst and hormones or if there is some sort of like alien force that's compelling them towards each other, in which case the consent questions get even grosser. Yeah. What do y'all think? Oh, that's a good question, because at one point she said, it's like I don't have a choice mm-hmm. at the beginning of the episode. Which which rubbed me the wrong way, because, like, in terms of doing sexual things with someone, you always have a choice. Yes. But, yeah, there are a lot of, like, I can't stop. And I was like, oh, yeah. so are they being teenagers or is something going on that's pushing I them I think together? they're just being right. teenagers. That's how I felt it was also. Okay. That's it. So then let's move on to our hot and saucy for this episode. What do you guys have? Now let's see who's hot and saucy. Saucy. I, well, I have one pick for hot and then another pick for saucy, meaning sassy in my mind. So the hot pick is when Max, when they were in the desert, presumably about to have sex, and Max said, are you sure? That's hot. Because consent is sexy. Yes, verbal, vocal consent. I love it. Very hot. Um, and then I, my saucy, sassy, saucy, and also hot, honestly, pick is um, when Maria came into Michael's and was like, 
I just need you not to be cold or mean. Like, can you do that? Um, and I liked her just like coming in and setting a precedent of like, this is what I need from you. If you can't do mm-hmm. that, fine, but I will leave. Um, and, you know, communicating her needs and her boundaries. And I like that. How about you? Um, mine is the moment at the end of the episode, which we were just talking about um, in more detail um, because it was just at the end of the episode with Michael and Maria in Michael's apartment and just that like moment of sweetness with them where you see his like sort of, I guess, acknowledgement of his walls and they're starting to come down. And there's that like moment of real, like, like you said, Aliza, like that moment of just like real relationship where he's just tender with her. He just, she needs him to be close and he just kind of hugs her and kisses her on the forehead. And it's just very sweet. And very real relationshipy, and I liked that moment. Nice. I am going to take this in a different direction. Okay. Um, as I said, I don't like the sex stuff. That's just mm-hmm. my personal thing. So I am giving my hot and saucy award to Mrs. Nancy Parker for just trying her best to raise a yeah. kid who's making responsible choices about her body and her life. And really just not getting any appreciation in this episode. So I would like to take a moment now to appreciate her. You know, caring for your child and being a good parent may not be sexy in the eyes of society. But I say, you know what, Mrs. Parker, at least for this week, you are hot and saucy, lady. I can get behind that for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, and then we have Lisa's predictions. So based on the next episode title, which is Crazy, what do you think we're going to see next in the series? Okay, so y'all know that I go on IMDb to look up other things that actors have been in, but that also means that I see which episodes of the show they're in. So I happen to know from IMDb that a character we haven't seen in a while will be making an appearance in the next episode. I won't say who because we're spoiler free. So if mm. anyone is uh, watching along with this and doesn't want to be spoiled, I won't say it, but I'm very excited for this person to return. I also know from IMDb that this is the first episode featuring a certain actor. And I know that that actor's character on this show is deeply hated by every single person in the entire fan community. <laughs> And I can't yeah. wait to find out why. I Myself can't wait. included. <laughs> Great. I'm so excited. So my prediction is I will be delighted by this episode, even if I don't like the plot of it, because I will get to see these two characters. Nice. Perfect. Thanks for joining us for our discussion of how Lisa is very disturbed by teenage sex scenes on TV. We'll be back Tuesday, March 31st with episode 17 of the first season, Crazy. And next Tuesday, join us for a mini soap where we will be discussing UFO sightings from around the world with a focus on countries where we have the most podcast listeners. Thanks, international listeners. And please do remember to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and leave us a rating and a review. It really helps other folks to find us. 
You can always find our website at roswellhotsauce.com where you will find meticulous show notes about all sorts of things that we discuss in the episodes. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at Roswell Hot Sauce for lots of other fun Roswell and alien content. And please send us an email if you have anything you'd like to share with us or questions for us. You can send them on over to roswellhotsauce at gmail.com. Pass the Hot Sauce is produced and edited by Ashley Hullett. Our theme music is by David Belcourt, and our logo was designed by Billy Murray. Until next time! Don't ever have sex. Don't ever leave this house. Don't ever stop being my baby.